I'm Linda Yanta with Yanta Ranches in Rungi, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. We continue our coverage of the Cattle Industry Convention, CattleCon 24 in Orlando, Florida. Plus, we'll look at the latest cattle inventory report numbers that came out this week. How many cattle you are running can greatly impact how well your grass is growing. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. A wrap-up of the January freezing temperatures and rainfall across Texas, plus a look ahead for the February forecast. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll have more on Texas Ag Today. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. We continue our coverage today of the Cattle Industry Convention, or CattleCon 24, in Orlando, Florida. One big highlight of this meeting every year is the D.C. Issues Update from the entire governmental relations staff of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Ethan Lane is NCBA's Vice President of Government Affairs, and he told cattle producers here that there isn't a lot of progress coming out of Washington these days. In a Congress like we're in now, with those extremely tight majorities. As a reminder, we're down to two seats in the House for Republicans for their control of the House of Representatives, one seat in the Senate. We are in the middle of an incredibly competitive presidential primary election season. Um, That does not spell productivity in our nation's capital. Uh, It is almost a recipe for nothing productive to happen. We kind of measure the success of a Congress based on productivity, and and depending on your view of the world, if you're more of a limited government kind of person, maybe less productivity is better from Congress. But there are some things you need them to do on a yearly basis. And last year, the first half of this 118th Congress was, if I've got my information correct, the least productive Congress since Reconstruction, right? 32 pieces of legislation passed Congress last year. That is basically nothing. And as far as this year goes, there isn't much time at all to get anything done. We now are going into this election season that, for those of us that work on the political side, there's kind of a clock ticking. So whether we're talking about the farm bill, whether we're talking about any of these other priorities, once it gets to about June, these folks are going to roll up their tents and they're going to leave town and they're going to go run for office. And they're going to go home to tell all of you what a good job they have done in Washington. That means we're looking at only four months to get the new farm bill completed. NCBA Executive Director of Government Affairs Allison Rivera told the group that the extension of the farm bill we got last fall gives us more time to get a modernized bill completed. The things that we are pushing for in this farm bill are so important, but I think every day they become more and more important. When we look at fighting for those risk management programs that you all want to use, you want to be able to maintain uh, and continue to bolster those programs. That is is one of our top priorities, as well as disaster programs. Those are very important. 
there's not a person in this room that hasn't been touched by some kind of weather event in the last couple of years and, and this year. So we're going to continue to focus on uh, those disaster programs as well in this next farm bill. Another priority is making sure animal health programs are well funded to protect the U.S. cattle herd from devastating diseases like foot and mouth disease. USDA released its twice-a-year cattle inventory report this week, and here in Orlando, I just happened to run into the perfect guy to talk more about that report, Dr. Daryl Peel. He is the Livestock Marketing Economist with Oklahoma State University, and Daryl, give us a rundown on this cattle inventory report. Yeah, you bet. Uh, you know, the semi-annual cattle report came out this afternoon. So this is the, and, and this is the one, even though it's semi-annual, we get one in July, but the January one is the only one that has all the state numbers in it too. So this is the biggest batch of data we get for the cattle industry all year. So, you know, in broad terms, uh, you know, the report really came out pretty close to expectations. Um, however, one of the caveats is that USDA did make some significant revisions to some of last year's numbers. So uh, we were sort of right for the wrong reasons in some sense on this. But bottom line is we're still getting smaller. I mean, that's the, the take-home message here in the cattle industry. We're still getting smaller. The all-cattle inventory is down. The beef cow numbers are down. Um, replacement heifers are down across the board. Daryl, let's break down the beef cow and replacement numbers in the report. How did they look? So, you know, beef replacement heifers were down uh, 1.4% again. Um, the beef cow numbers were down 2.5% from last year. Um, and again, they revised last year's numbers down uh, significantly or somewhat. No, actually, they raised them up just a little bit. I'm sorry. Uh, so, um, but, you know, again, uh, we're still getting smaller. We have less cattle, less heifers um, to start with. You know, um, if, if we start trying to not liquidate in 2024, and I'm going to say it that way because I've said for some time that I didn't think that, you know, we could do more than just sort of hold steady in 2024, even if we start the wheels turning. Uh, so, and this would lend support to that idea that, you know, we've got smaller getting to this year and uh, it's going to be a slow, lengthy process to rebuild from. Daryl, let's take a look at the breakdown on the state-by-state -state numbers. Of course, Texas and Oklahoma, the number one and number two beef cow states. How did those state-by-state -state breakdowns look in the report? Okay, so, you know, if you look at uh, Texas and Oklahoma, for example, in the Southern Plains, um, we didn't see a lot of change there. The beef cow herd was slightly smaller in, in both Texas and Oklahoma. Um, the number of beef replacement heifers was actually steady in Oklahoma and up slightly in Texas. So, um, you know, I, th I think, again, it, I think we're probably setting the stage for not continuing to liquidate. <laughs> and, and obviously, Mother Nature is going to play a big role in this going forward. Uh, you know, we've still got some drought around. We're in wintertime right now, but uh, really, I think producers are going to sort of reserve judgment until we get through this winter, see what conditions look like, and, and then kind of see how this El Nino thing uh, plays out or not as, uh, as, as expected. And so, um, you know, cautious optimism, I think, from that standpoint. Now, producers are liking markets generally, but I think in terms of what they can really do with that, I think they're still taking it pretty carefully right now. That's Dr. Darrell Peel, livestock marketing economist at Oklahoma State. The number of cattle you're running can have a big impact on how much grass you're growing. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. 
Today we go back to my conversation with AgriLife Range Specialist Tim Steffens. Yesterday, Dr. Steffens told us ranchers can maximize the benefit of rain events if they are using cover to help retain moisture. As he put it, you can grow more grass by leaving more grass. I asked him if that's a recommendation for rotational grazing. That is one way, and that's kind of a way that I like because then for sure I'm not coming back and regrazing those palatable plants. But stocking rate, I mean, just having your stocking rate correct will help you leave more cover. If you're not getting the cattle off, you're maybe not providing as much recovery as you need to. But if you're moving cattle around and you're not stocked right, you're rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. I mean, you're working awful hard and you're still not accomplishing what you need to do. So there's not a silver bullet. You have to be stocked right first and then you do the other two. To emphasize his point, Dr. Steffens cites something he learned a few years back. Grass has to come before cattle. My first range management teacher was an old rancher from Dublin, and one thing he said that I never have forgotten is, I've never known a man to go broke being understocked. If you've got plenty of grass, you can always find cattle to get it. If you've got too many cows and there ain't enough grass, that's when you start getting in trouble and making bad decisions. AgriLife Range Specialist Tim Steffens. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good rain in January will be a big help for early planting in February. Tom Nicoletti visits with a National Weather Service meteorologist. National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw is on the program today from Fort Worth. Tom, the rainfall that occurred over a large cross-section of Texas the third week of January uh, certainly will help spring planting for farmers in the mostly southern and central part of the state and then also pastures for cattle ranchers. Uh, give us a wrap-up on the rainfall and then, of course, even prior to that, all that freezing weather we had uh, earlier in the month. As we often encounter in the month of January, it's usually an interesting ride for us here in the Lone Star State. We definitely had a lot of rainfall, a lot of precipitation across a good part of Texas during the month of January had anywhere from two inches to five inches across a good part of the state and, and large areas actually had anywhere from five to ten inches of rain in the uh, east central southeast parts of Texas. Large parts of uh, Texas had very, very copious amounts of rainfall. And as you mentioned, there was a certain amount of ice and snow across portions of Texas, especially during the middle to latter part of the month of January. And for that, coupled with the Arctic outbreak that we had, that certainly caused some very cold conditions for us. Now we are into the month of February. What is the outlook for this month? Well, the early signs are that we're actually going to have this continuation of at least normal to perhaps above normal precipitation through the month of February for a good part of Texas. Certainly, eastern half of the state looks like it'll be experiencing a certain amount of rainfall. Even parts out in the western counties could see a little more rainfall or perhaps some snow compared with what we've seen in the past. Things are actually looking pretty promising for February. On the flip side, it looks like for the most part might be generally seasonable temperature-wise, but we might have a couple of cold snaps, particularly during the middle to latter part of the month of February. That is Tom Bradshaw, National Weather Service meteorologist in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A stakeholder working group has recommended that the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department come up with a management plan for mountain lions. 
I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And tall fescue can cause sickness in cattle. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Broadcasting from a padded room in the basement of the Texas Farm Bureau World Headquarters, here's Carrie Martin with more Texas Ag Today. Tall fescue is present in some areas of Texas, and it contains a fungus that can cause sickness in cattle. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the problems it can cause. An endophyte is a fungus that lives entirely within the intracellular spaces of the leaf sheaths, stems, and seeds, and the grass and fungus have a mutually beneficial relationship. The plant provides nutrients for the fungus, and the fungus provides a chemical defense called ergot alkaloids for the plant. Ergolivalin is the alkaloid that impacts livestock and can lead to fescue toxicosis in cattle grazing endophyte-infected tall fescue. The most common symptoms of ergolivalin is elevated body temperature, rough hair coat during the summer, decreased grazing time, less weight gain in milk production, lower weaning weight, and lower reproductive performance. Two other syndromes that can occur are fescue foot and fat necrosis, and ergolivalin binds to blood vessels resulting in vasoconstriction causing decreased size of the vessels and decreased blood flow to the tissues. The accumulation of alkaloids in the tissue can cause the blood vessels to be constricted for six to seven weeks after removal from the affected pasture. And clinical signs can even be worse if the fescue is infected with another fungus called claviceps, which produces the alkaloid ergotamine, and this also leads to vasoconstriction. The disease can be diagnosed by testing plants at most diagnostic labs, and symptoms are referred to as a summer slump due to increased sensitivity to heat stress during hot and humid weather. The fungi reduce blood flow to the skin surface and prevents cooling, and many of these cattle fail to shed their winter coats. Consequently, more cattle spend time in water or under trees and not eating. Cattle may also develop a discolored tail and sloughing of the hooves and ear tips. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A stakeholder working group has recommended that the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department come up with a management plan for mountain lions. Jessica Nomal has the details in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has been asked to create a mountain lion management plan, which may include mandatory trap checks and a ban on canned hunts. The request came from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission after they heard the final report from the Texas Mountain Lion Stakeholder Working Group. Joseph Fitzsimmons, chair of the working group and a former TPWD commission chairman, started his briefing with a summary of where we are at with mountain lion management currently. In Texas, there's no season or bag limits. There's no trap check requirements on mountain lions. However, commercial fur trappers are required to check traps every 36 hours. Currently, canned hunting of mountain lions is legal in Texas. 
Fitzsimmons told the commission that Texas currently does not have a management plan for mountain lions because we do not have the data for it. He said despite the distinct opinions of the 19 stakeholders who made up the working group, they agreed that more research is needed on mountain lions. I was encouraged that people from both sides agreed that we need a management plan. And it's never been done because we don't have the data to support the plan. But what would a management plan entail? Obviously, you identify the research and data needs, the methods of data collection, and with stakeholder involvement, i.e. with the uh, landowners, uh, craft a milestone-driven process to guide, evaluate, and reassess the lion population and the department's actions. Uh, There was general agreement and support, as I said, of developing a plan, and very importantly, from the livestock and hunting community, uh, the plan should ensure landowner ability to manage depredating lions. The working group did not agree on whether people who take a mountain lion should be required to report it to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. The chairman said that an active voluntary reporting system could make a difference. We'll have more on this on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. Sometimes you love them, sometimes you cuss them. Here's a look at the markets on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded higher on Thursday, supported by the cattle inventory report released Wednesday afternoon by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The report showed 87.2 million head of cattle and calves in the United States as of January 1st. That's down 2 percent from 2023. The report indicates there were 14.4 million head of cattle and calves on feed for the slaughter market in the U.S. on January 1st. That's up 2 percent. February live cattle up $2.40 to $179.75. April live cattle up $2.47 to $183.17. Feeder cattle today were supported by that cattle inventory report that we mentioned. The report showed 3% fewer calves under 500 pounds than we saw a year ago. March feeder cattle up $4.72 to $244.87. April feeder cattle up $4.37 to $250.52. May feeder cattle up $3.90 to $255.70. Box beef was lower Thursday. Choice down 61 cents to $293.93. Select down 2 cents to $284.15. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. This fella here is Carl Herman. He and his family own and operate Caldwell Livestock Commission Company, and they sell every Wednesday, and I talk to him on Thursday morning. Carl, how was the sale? We really had a good sale yesterday. Finally had some uh, drier, sunshiny weather. Our customers were able to get some cattle out. Yesterday, we had over 900 head for 150 sellers and 45 buyers on our cow market and calf market. Yesterday, we had 150 cows and bulls 
slaughter cows 50 to 127 slaughter bulls 84 to 137 stonker cows 800 to 1575 and the pairs 14 and a quarter to 1800 on steers two to three weight steers brought 335 to four dollars three to four weight steers 331 to 395 four to five weights 290 to 347 five to six weight steers 275 to three dollars six to seven weight steers brought 250 to 287 and seven to eight weights 225 to 245 two to three weight heifers 293 to four dollars three to four weight heifers 290 to 385 four to five weights 265 to 327 the five to six weights 240 to 312 the six to seven weight heifers 210 to 247 and the seven to eight weight heifers brought 125 to 215 overall really had a lot of good cattle all the buyers on hand very active need the cattle and, uh, the market was excellent tell everybody exactly. how to get a hold of you okay my number is 979-820-5349 call a barn 567-4119 if you're in the Giddings Lexington area call back 740-8676 and neighbor that's it for this edition of Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network February lean hogs were down 55 cents Thursday to 75.80 April lean hogs down a dollar seven to 83.75 February class 3 milk up 14 cents to 16.24 a hundred weight March class 3 milk up 58 cents to 17.49 cotton rallied today encouraged by a falling US dollar and a positive weekly export sales report from USDA March cotton up 132 points to 86.49 May cotton up 100 123 points to 87.64. March corn down one to 447 and a quarter. May corn down a quarter to 458 and a quarter. March hard red wheat down one and a quarter to 620 and three quarters. May hard red wheat down a half to 619 and three quarters. March natural gas down four cents to 205. April natural gas down four cents to 207. March crude oil down a dollar fifty nine to seventy four twenty six. April crude oil down a dollar fifty one to seventy four twenty a barrel. The Dow was up three hundred nineteen points Thursday to thirty eight thousand four hundred and sixty nine. The S and P five hundred up fifty three points to four thousand eight hundred and ninety nine. And the Nasdaq was up one hundred and ninety one points to fifteen thousand three hundred and fifty six. For Texas Ag Today, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.